Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I was going to say Farm Machine Digest Radio, but that's the wrong show. Sorry about that. But uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, getting together with me here today. And as I always wish, my sincere wish is that everything is going well for you in your life and your operation. We are enjoying some beautiful weather here. And from what I understand from Rural Radio, I love that channel on Sirius XM. It's not because you could say, oh, you love it because your, your show is on there, right? That, that has nothing to do with it. Just like if you read the scriptures, you read the book of Job, where the devil and Job were talking, and and uh, God showed Job to the devil and said to, and said to him, look at my servant Job, and the devil, based on paraphrasing this, said, well, yeah, look what a great guy he is and how he loves you because he, you blessed him with everything. Well, take it away from him and he'll curse you. Well, that obviously wasn't the case. I never cursed the Lord, and I always enjoy rural radio even before I was blessed with a show on that. And if you do have Sirius XM on your vehicle or in your house or whatever, you could get the app. You don't even need it in your car. You could get the app that goes through your phone, and then you could, uh, I guess, Bluetooth it in. I have the app, and I have it in my telephone. I don't Bluetooth it through the car. I mean, the only problem is I think it uses up... uh, data or something who knows but uh if i need want to listen to it in the garage or something i or i or in a different room of the house i don't have it in the house i only have it in my car but anyway neither here nor there but in essence uh i don't even know why i'm telling you that to be quite honest with you because i i got myself all revved up but anyway uh oh i know i said because i said i was going to say farm machinery digest radio but i will be at the farm machinery show in louisville kentucky when this thing drops and hopefully god willing i run into some of you there and uh you know if you if you happen to see me any place do please please and i'm saying this so humbly and i mean that so sincerely is that you know come up and say hello i mean so many people are coming they'll, they'll look at you and they'll keep walking by and they'll smile and they get this big grin and and believe me i'm no celebrity all right i mean uh i mean i'm not tom cruise or anything so only the people who would happen to rec- know me or know me listen to me or something would would uh and hear my voice would know who i am but you'll just come and say hello shake my hand and uh believe me i i am so so honored to meet you if you come and say hello to me and uh, you know what it probably is you probably think i'm going to bend your ear for for three or four hours which is probably correct so so that's maybe uh, let, let's just let's go back on that right let's forget about that don't just smile because you'd be better off because i'll bend your ear i want to know about your farm i want to know about your animals your family your equipment or your cars whatever you have i want to know all about that and uh so you i think you're doing the right thing just keep on walking give a smile and keep on walking but anyway i was this week uh this past week at a seminar out in pennsylvania when you farm in new jersey for the most part if you're not willing to drive someplace and i mean this was not far maybe 120 miles 100 miles away but if you're not willing to put put tires on the you're not going to learn anything i mean that's the sad reality of it and i get a kick because i I meet 
people out in, in the Midwest or the Corn Belt, and they, they complain. They said, oh, it's that, having that class, it's 20 miles away. 20 miles away. I go up 1,800 miles to South Dakota. So you're not going to get any sympathy from me. But anyway, so I went to this class, and it's out, I guess they would call it New Holland, Pennsylvania. It's not as far on Route 23 in Pennsylvania as the New Holland plant, so, but maybe it's a New Holland mailing address. And it's a... Uh, a banquet hall there called, what is it called? The Shady Maple. And I've been there many, many times. They have an, actual, an excellent buffet there. And that's why they, and I was thinking of actually running a class there. And maybe one day I'll give you some insight into what I'm hoping to God willing do for 2023. But anyway, I'm going to move this chair. Hopefully it doesn't squeak. Ah, uh, it didn't. I, I'm back in my old chair. My new chair the kitten's destroyed i mean it's like they ripped everything up on it but it's still fine to sit on but the new chair is less than a well let's say a year old it squeaks like like a, a 42 studebaker i mean it's unbelievable and if there's a studebaker fan out there i'm sorry but i think of something and the old chair doesn't squeak so who knows i guess even in china they don't make this stuff uh, as good as they made it in china five or six years ago but so I went to this seminar. I was, um, and as I started to say, if you don't want to travel in New Jersey, you're not going to learn anything. So, um, and what's really, what was really nice about this meeting, this workshop, I'll call it, was that it didn't start till nine o'clock in the morning. So I didn't have to leave here. I, it's a good solid three hour ride there. If you, well, it's like two hours and 55 minutes if you don't get caught in any traffic. And not that there's a lot of traffic going that way, but for the most part, it's a lot of secondary two-lane roads. And if you get caught behind a school bus or what have you going through town, it, it, it could, then if the school bus stops at every four houses, then, uh, then it really messes things up. You know, years ago up here on the farm, they, the school bus used to stop on Route 517. And they and the the kids, whatever couple they were, used to walk maybe three quarters of a mile or a mile to the end of where our farm Cat Swamp Road meets five seventeen and wait there for the bus. But now the bus goes to everybody's house as like they like their president of the United States. They pick them up in a limo, and you would tend to think to get back to this Route twenty three deal was that you would tend to think that there would be. A bunching point like we had years ago that they didn't go to every house and bunching point for the kids to get there and wait safely right and uh for the school bus and instead of stopping every 15 feet for a house so but whatever it's a different world and i'm going to be getting um, i'm using that as a as a cheap segue into what i'm going to be talking about so i went to this seminar and then Route 23, I got about two miles before the place I got, and I'm, I'm not laughing. I, it was a beautiful day, a uh, little bit chilly, but beautiful. And I got behind this big old, it was old, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of the first ones, large, large square baler, New Holland baler. All right, so it was, um, it looked kind of raggy from behind, and it was being towed down Route 23, in pennsylvania 
and it was quite like i said it was quite big a big square baler and uh looked kind of faded and weathered and what have you and it didn't tow that well it towed fine but you know that that equipment's not meant to be towed at 40 50 miles an hour so it started to do a walk back there but i didn't know i was towing it because uh i uh, couldn't see my little ford behind this big baler and i was not gonna i'm not gonna risk hurting someone and getting into an accident to pass i'm not delivering a kidney so i was end up getting to the seminar about three four minutes late but anyway uh i said boy this thing is going down the road pretty good up the hills well it was a a newer ram pickup truck with a diesel towing it that's why so it wasn't that the truck didn't have the power to tow it the trailer wasn't i mean it's not the trailer the hay baler was not that agreeable to going more than 15 or 20 miles an hour down the road and uh so the seminar i went to was predominantly about dairy cow uh i don't let's how can i word it uh I tried to think of a succinct way. It discussed the nutrient uptake in dairy cows from what you are feeding them. And it was very, very, very interesting. They had other things at the seminar, but the lion's share of the meeting was about this dairy cow nutrition. And uh, it it, it went through the uptake of the nutritional uptake of a dairy cow from the different feeds and they used a lot of acronyms that i am not familiar with uh but you know conceptually it was very 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 interesting uh, i've taken some classes like that before just as an fyi and uh this one was was by far the best actually a gentleman i have his business card here uh he wants to be on my on the road podcast and i would love to do one with him but uh subsequently since i got back i reached out to him and never never got back to me so who knows that maybe who knows something uh could have just happened i'm not going to be judgmental but his name is christopher i guess it's pronounced canal or canali c-a-n-a-l and he's a phd and he's from cargill and he's the uh animal was business card says i'm reading a technology manager i don't know what that means animal nutrition but he's got a phd in in uh in i don't know it's not nutrient transfer but whatever nutrient uptake i guess is a probably better word in dairy cows and he uh used to work on dairy cows and what i have based and i i thought the guy and not only <clears throat> i really hope i get him to come on the show because i know that you'll really enjoy him and uh he's full of passion as you know the on the road show is about passion and i don't care whether you're passionate about firing orders right machinery engines cars right or farming some aspects of agriculture so uh but he's very very passionate and you could see as soon as he got up to on i'll say the podium or whatever and uh, he didn't stand on the podium he were interacted with the with the audience and, and on their level and that's what i like like when i was at commodity classic i don't want to stand on the podium i wanted to be down with the people but uh so but every time i went there oh you got to stand up over here in the stage so whatever i like to be down with the people and, and very very passionate very knowledgeable and what i have found in my particular walk of life or life experiences is that if you get a guy a person because right, my wife will say it's sexist you get a person that has a phd but with practical experience there it's it's wonderful and you get a, a guy with a PhD with practical experience and 
works in private sector is even the best because and no disrespect because you never know who's listening to these things these shows but you have a person that has a phd and they made their whole career in academia forget about it all right they don't know how the real world works and i dealt with a lot of these guys in automotive engineering the person never put a spark plug in their life they never tried to have to fix a car profitably they never they never had to build it on the assembly line they never had to do anything so they just got this all this this high-end we used to say ten dollar words years ago i guess with inflation it would be five hundred dollar words these fancy schmancy words and that's great i mean that's that's wonderful all right the thing is that there's nothing there's nothing being taken away from a person with a phd i mean i'm not smart enough to have one but i think that's wonderful but if you have a person that has a that practical experience then goes and gets the the education to support the practical experience and actually believe it or not in my way of thinking the practical experience is much more important than the than the formal education but the formal education allows you to fully understand the mathematics and whatever is the science, whatever dairy counters know. Well, it'd be surprised there's a lot of math in that. But uh, and then go work in the real world, not in academia. Forget about it. I mean that that's that's that you got you got the cat's meow there. And uh, if you don't if you don't have that third element where you're working in academia, working in the real world, not academia. Of course, these people who just work in academia, I probably lose half my audience. But uh, I mean, they're not bad people, but they don't know which way the wind blows. They don't know what it's like to turn a buck. They don't know what it's like to have to make a profit. They just get paid by a school and whatever. And uh, there's some fancy schmancy college like this gentleman. He he's a graduate from Cornell, which is fantastic. But he worked in the he's working in the real world. He milked cows. So uh, so anyway, what I'm leading up to is that and i have heard of this uh before not just the other day but this is a crazy i'm 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 going into a different lane now so you you didn't miss anything <laughs> I'm, I'm changing direction so i'm like a camshaft like a lifter riding over the nose of a cam i'm changing direction the thing is that this is a crazy world today crazier than than i think we could even perceive all right with all the things that are going on in the, in this country but around the world <clears throat> is that and and who knows who we <clears throat> who knows even start who started this was it bill gates i have no idea all right but this whole thing with uh, a global warming and all this other garbage all right i'm not saying that the, that the world isn't changing or whatever but it's i'll just add one thing to this before i move on into what i wanted to talk about whenever they reference anything in this in the climate change right it used to be global warming now it's climate change they always say well this is the driest driest summer in a hundred years this is the wettest winter in a hundred years this is the coldest in a hundred years right and so that means a hundred years ago we had the same weather all right because if it's the coldest one in a hundred years that means basically 101 years ago there was a colder winter than this so anyway so now and if you're not familiar with this do an internet search and you'll find that they're coming after farmers and they're coming after the dairy cow <laughs> it's unbelievable and they're coming after the dairy cow and they say 
they who they is. I don't know. It's the I guess whatever. I'm going to call it a cabal. They're saying that the problem is that the dairy cows are belching too much and passing wind too much, and they're putting methane gas into the environment. And methane gas, and it's, I don't know, some way it's messing up the environment, global climate change, I have no idea. But these greenies are blaming dairy cows for this. And why, and I guess it's all cows, but specifically dairy cows, because they're, they're housed in, in bigger herds where, well, when I say closer confines, even if they go out, in the, go out in the field, but it's not like you have beef cattle in Nebraska and you have a thousand or two thousand head of cattle and it's spread across 500 acres. But anyway, so they're going after these dairy cows. So to get back to this and they want to cut down the, the methane emissions permitted <laughs> by a cow passing wind and belching well let me just add one thing nothing that god made an, an, an animal that is going to have a natural process of, of passing wind and belching is going to destroy the environment but these people don't believe in god their god is this green revolutionist they fly around in their private jets right but the thing is that so now to get back to this nutrition class and i'm not saying this person teaching it believed in this but he was just talking talking about the the industry for lack of terms or the community is that and i've heard this on rural radio that's why i started to say i love rural radio uh is that there's this push now now remember that all of these people that would the community will say my wife says I shouldn't use the word these people. It's derogatory. But all of this community of these, these uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, are, are after GMOs, they're after the com- internal combustion engine, after everything. But we'll talk, we'll stick with agriculture. They hate GMOs, which is genetically modified organisms, right? They hate GMOs, right? They're, they're demonizing corn. We're having problems with Mexico, and Mexico is saying, we don't want any GMO corn. China is saying that, but everybody forgets it, like five or six years ago, that there were Chinese spies in Iowa stealing samples out of a, uh, a breeding plot in in iowa to take back to china so they can make their own gmo corn but we won't talk about that right so we'll just fly balloons over the country and do nothing about it and then shoot it down after they get all the information so but so these people are all against gmos they're against monsanto which doesn't even exist anymore the farmers out there polluting the land the farmers doing this the farmers doing that all right big corporations and i'm not saying none of that is happening all right now i'm not saying there's a farmer that never polluted the land but that would be ridiculous to say but as a community that is most definitely not the case we live on the land we drink the water i drink the water coming out of the ground on my own farm which 99 percent of the farmers do so anyway but there's this big thing with gmos and corn and what have you right and uh, gmo crops well these same people who are against gmo crops want to genetically modify cows so that they could reduce their methane belches and for lack of better words farts please forgive my english so make up your mind right is gmo bad so now we're going to have gmo modified i mean this is not tomorrow gmo modified cows so they don't belch as much and pass wind as much because you want to reduce the methane gas so 
this is absolutely insane. And they're probably going to come after they come after the poor cows. They're probably going to come after us and say, ah, ha, ha, you know, you're belching too much. We got to put a catalytic converter on you or something. So ridiculous. And you could see, and the only good thing about this ridiculousness is that there, that it's an, it's an agenda uh, to control the world and to, 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 food, to, to, to uh, have food scarcity <clears throat> and what have you because if not then you would not so basically on gmos are, are bad for corn and we don't raise gmo corn but that doesn't mean i have anything against it and but on the other hand ah oh, we got a gmo the cows so they're passing too much wind and they're, they're messing everything up so it is crazy but now the segue into this from the nutritional uptake is what i'm going to talk about today now that i put you through if you didn't fall asleep or click off by now all righty so what we're going to talk about and this is well this is i'm not i'm going to make it as simple as i possibly can to give it to give it practical uh not practical application for you so it, it it brings some value to you it's not often a stratosphere as far as everything is as far as it, you know how a combustion happens in an engine but i love combustion and i love combustion in an engine and in any engine whether it's gasoline or diesel it makes no difference or natural gas right the thing is that the combustion is where the rubber meets the road it's the chemical to mechanical energy exchange so that's really what it's all about. And matter of fact, more than 20 years ago when I started my writing, well, that was, well, yeah, probably almost 30 years ago. My God, no wonder I got gray hair. But the only, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say I was a very young man when I started. But anyway, uh, I wanted to start, you know, I wanted to start my own magazine. And uh, I was going to call it the uh, Internal Combustion Digest. And it was going to be a very technical magazine. And I guess, you know, everybody everybody who does something, if you have a passion about it, you want to, you want to have your own, right? So if you're a, a barber or a hairdresser, you want to have your own salon one day so you could do it exactly the way you want. If you're a mechanic, you want to have your own shop. If you're a farmer, if you work on a farm, you want to one day have your own farm, right? So no matter what you do, all right, you always dream. And, and that's wonderful all right and that's there's nothing wrong with that so i was starting to write pretty aggressively and dynamically in a lot of publications and none of the magazines were exactly what i wanted it to be and i since i loved combustion loved engines whatever you i wanted to create this magazine called the internal combustion digest and then and maybe that's why i call it far machinery digest but um, internal combustion digest, and it was going to talk about an in-depth look at engines, all types of engines, uh, and there was going to be you know internal combustion engines, spark ignition engines, jet engines, turbine engines, um, steam engines. Not that I mean, so it was going to be, it was going to, it was going to be if there was combustion, if there was internal combustion taking place then that aspect of the, or those engines or that or a certain aspect of the engine was going to i was going to um, 
delving to in that and i was uh, i i had a i had a mickey mouse business plan set up but never really pursued it because you can't do that on your own uh i could write it on my own but you need to the biggest thing like any business is that you could be the most wonderful in this particular instance i'll say a content creator i'm not saying i'm a wonderful content creator you could be the most wonderful teacher but unless you got a job being a teacher someplace in a school is a big difference between being a teacher and being very good teaching children and then running a profitable school all right with everything else that goes on so i didn't have the resources to make that happen i mean i needed to be locked in a room someplace and creating the content and then have somebody else get it printed get it distributed have a sales team selling advertising in it because i mean even even there's so much and they call it a business back end to that to that um to doing something as that you got to send people bills you got to get their checks or whatever so i i i'm I recognized very early on that there was a pipe dream that would never ever happen and it was a magazine that would only cater to people like me and probably a good deal of people like you because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me and so anyway I love combustion and what I'm going to do today and it's let me see 24 minutes into the show (laughs) not that good so uh, I'm going to what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about the difference between flame speed and burn speed in a combustion chamber and i'm going to enf- i'm going to use the the basis of it more on a gasoline which is a spark ignition engine but a lot of this is going to almost 90 i would say 90 to 95 percent of it is going to pertain to a diesel which is called compression ignition but most of the references i will make is going to be with gasoline with spark ignition i should say si engine engineering called si and ci excuse me spark ignition and compression ignition now why is this important to you well hopefully i could bring this together tightly and then give you some closure at the end that is going to be anecdotal and give you something that's practical for you to apply in your farm because what is going to happen is the flame speed and the burn speed right you may say you may say they're the same well they're not the same and i'll get address that in a minute is going to be paramount on how an engine runs so a lot of people that are listening have older farm tractors that are gasoline they have older trucks on the farm like an old grain truck that's gas they may have an older irrigation pump they may have an older um welder gasoline powered welder or anything right or they may have everything brand new state-of-the-art they may have uh, some muscle cars or antique cars that uh, that they collect or, or or something of that nature so so you recognizing the difference between flame speed and burn speed is going to be is it going to help you fix a car fix a tractor it's not going to help you to fix it it's going to help you to make it run better there's a difference because the flame speed if the flame is coming out of the bore you got more problems than the speed right because you got a hole in the cylinder head or a hole in a block or a piston so this is really going to make it so you're going to carry it to the next level right so just like you know dairy cow nutrient uptake if you're feeding the cow if you're feeding her properly taking care of her properly 
then she is processing those nutrients that you are giving her into keeping her body healthy and making more milk and making more butter fat in the milk and what have you all the desirable components in that so that is what we're going to discuss because there's a big confusion today about about gasoline and to a certain extent about diesel fuel but diesel fuel never has the bullseye on its back like gasoline does but there's variations there also and then you know with uh ethanol based fuel oxygenated fuel what have you and i'm hopefully but it all basically it if you back up it all basically is rooted in the burn speed and the flame speed so without any further ado let's get into this before i put you to sleep all righty so basically in essence is the burn speed is influenced by the chemical composition of the fuel so the burn speed is the flames propagation relative to the unburned fuel now and i'm going to go back and forth and keep revisiting these i'm going to kind of sneak up on on it for you to understand right so now the flame speed is the combustion all right the combustion wave or combustion pressure we'll say into the wave it's actually almost like a wave that comes like you see like a tidal wave coming into the beach as the flame goes across the board the flame speed is the combustion waves propagation or expansion of the flame front where the burn speed is the movement due to the chemical reaction okay though i shouldn't say the chemical reaction the chemical composition of the flame so now you say well this is a bunch of this is so out there i can't make sense of it well i'm 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 gonna try to make sense of it for you the best way i possibly can which is would be a lot easier if you were in a classroom with me and we could have some some slides up there and some pictures and some illustrations but let's take a shot at it. we're going to take we, we, we're going to take a a, a a run at it okay and you're with me to take that run i want to thank you for that so if you you have <clears throat> if you were to take uh a if you were to pour some diesel fuel on the ground and let's let's say a bowl of diesel fuel you put some diesel fuel in a bowl and you threw a match in it all right what would basically happen is the match would go out because the liquid diesel fuel for all intents and purposes without being uh, atomized and emulsified will not burn you take a bowl of gasoline right next to it and you throw a match and, you go, and it ignites because actually the vapors coming off the gasoline are what igniting and then the vapors come and they once the combustion starts it's it, the heat from the combustion has the fuel vaporize more become a vapor and then the gasoline burns right so what basically happens is that if and in practical in practical terms is that the chemical composition of the of a of a gasoline and is uh, and versus another fuel uh, like, like propane or what have you or nitromethane right so has certain chemical compositions to it that allow it to have it burn at a certain speed so what burning of the gasoline means is that 
And if somebody's a PhD out there, I knocked you in the beginning. Please forgive me, but we're making this very simple here. We're over. We're, I'm oversimplifying it. Is the rate that the fuel itself burns that becomes consumed? All right. So if you were to have a candle and you had a candle with wax and you lit the candle, which is not internal combustion, all right, that the rate that the wick and the wax are consumed is based upon the chemical composition of the gasoline and or the diesel fuel. All right. But we're focusing more on gasoline. So that is the chemical composition of the gasoline. So you cannot change that. Right, you cannot change <clears throat> the, the fuel is going to burn at a certain rate, be based upon its chemical composition. Just like you'll have a person that goes that, that's 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 fair skinned, right? And they go out into the sun and they saw and they get us, they very easily get a sunburn and their skin turns red, they very rarely turn a copper tone tan right and then you'll have another person so they both have skin they both have flesh they both have everything but the the nature the composition of their skin means that their skin burns instead of tans then you'll have another person all right that'll go out in the sun and they still have skin right they still have all that and their skin will their skin as it gets gets exposed to the sun will turn a what we call a tan or a night or a dark color or what have you right a copper tone tan so the thing is that uh but there's so two different reactions and what basically happens with gasoline based upon the chemical components that are in that gasoline which is a whole textbook on itself is that it's going to affect the rate that it is going to be consumed or that it's going to burn and you have to realize that gasoline in an engine needs to burn because it's to create heat and that heat is going to expand and push against the piston and the piston is going to be put put that energy that into the crankshaft and then whatever it's going to do afterwards whether it's going to drive a car down the road or an irrigation pump or a semi or a combine it's irrelevant right so that is the chemical to mechanical energy exchange process so that is the burn speed of the fuel so in essence let's make one more simpler analogy if you were to put a hope let's say if you had a, a, a burn pit at your house in your backyard and you put a hole and you put up in your raking leaves and you put leaves in there and you throw them at you and the leaves burn and the leaves burn up very quickly all right so that's the burn speed now you take a log and you put a log in there and you light it and the log right if you have a wood stove if you have a fireplace the log burns very slowly so that's that's a good analogy for this all right so it's the composition of the log versus the composition of the leaves all right burns burns is affects how quickly it burns and that's why you'll have kindling to start a fire right twigs and stuff like that thin stuff that's very dry that'll burn quicker now so that is burn speed it's the composition of the fuel that's going to impact it now the next thing that we have is flame speed and the flame speed is the rate the velocity the speed right well well, i can't use the word speed and velocity that the expansion of the flame front of the of the flame front i should say not all right so it's the expansion of the flame front so it's how quickly the 
the flame is going to propagate travel across the bore so what basically happens is the flame speed is by design of the engine so which is the cylinder head the intake ports the piston design what have you that is the flame speed so in essence if you were to look at it is that an engine has two dynamics happening inside of it right we have the chemical composition of the burn speed of the fuel and then we have the flame speed so now what impacts the flame speed as i said is the design of the end well basically it's the cylinder head and the combustion chamber so it's going to be how much motion and they call that mixture motion all right the more motion that is created all right the more inside the cylinder and we'll discuss how that happens is going to increase the flame speed it's not going to increase the burn speed because the burn speed is the chemical composition of the fuel so it's increased the flame speed but this is where it gets slightly confusing because the burn speed and the flame speed are almost like bacon and eggs all right so you can you can't change the burn speed the chemical the heat release of the fuel that's by its way my wife lays out in the sun she gets a beautiful tan my any somebody else goes out in the sun they turn red and they they, they, they get it all blistery all right so the thing basically is you can't change that that's how her skin is made versus somebody else's somebody else's skin all right but the design of the engine is going to impact the flame speed so you're going to have this energy release of the fuel being burnt and then what you're going to have is the way that the 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 way this 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 uh what what do i want to call this this uh wave this pressure going across the bore which is the flame speed so now how do they increase the flame speed in an engine so they increase the flame speed in an engine by, for the most part, inducing mixture motion because the more you're mixing this up and churning it up, the faster it's going to, this, the faster it's not going to burn. That's and, and I'm guilty of using that term also. The faster the flame is going to propagate across the, across the bore, all right? And they do it by two ways. Well, three ways actually. You have, well probably a little bit more than three ways i'm bad at that identifying a number all right but to induce there's two types of mixture motion like i said this is a little bit out there for some and i'm saying it respectfully you may not care to it to this level but historically when i do a show like this the people love it so what do i know right i'm just a guy from cat swamp road but anyway so there's so we have to induce motion and so what so there's internal and external mixture motion so internal or external mixture motion is the motion that is created as the as the air and fuel go through the intake port into the cylinder so you could have a swirl dam in there which is a like a wall that they put it's the angle of the valves there's so it's the interaction of the the path of the air charge i should say because it's air and fuel mixed together regard well we'll say the air because if it's a direct injection engine makes it complicated because there's so many different theories out there but it's the air so in other words 
it's so you could steer the air and make it swirl okay now that's that's external charge motion what's considered external charge motion is anything that happens prior to the bore and then there's ways of you inducing mixture motion inside the bore by having squish pads and a squish pad if you were to take a head gasket and lay it on the cylinder head all right and you you know this this term got not squish pads got got uh commonized people got used to use a term like on big block chevy engines but it happened with every engine for some reason but chevrolet had had open chamber and closed chamber or heads so if you were to look at and this is a basic qualifier so if you were to have a cylinder head and you rolled it up and you put the deck of the head towards you and you took the head gasket the proper head gasket and laid it on there if there was any deck surface of the head gasket of a deck surface of the head that was shown in that that the head gasket had this area there let me let me try to explain this better all right so if the whole region that encompassed the bore of that with the bore area in the head gasket was open then that was considered open chamber head if there was any area that was flat that was the deck of the head then that was considered closed chamber and those are what are called squish s-q-u-i-s pads and as the piston comes up to top dead center and is pushing the air as it and the the dynamics of it is that as it gets into as the as the region becomes smaller is that the air will be pushed up the charge will be pushed up against the squish pad and if you were to look like in a creek and you could you watch a nice slow moving creek and there'd be an area here with some rocks and some twigs and it spins around in a circle eddy currents little currents they're little eddies they call them all right so it's so the squish pads are internal charge motion generators the shape of the piston crown is an internal charge motion generator so we have internal external charge motion but the thing that you need to grasp here for this and this show this podcast to make any sense is that you need to have charge motion to increase the flame speed the position of the spark plug where the spark plug is positioned inside the bore inside the bore all right is going to impact the flame speed And, and interestingly enough as an aside to this uh anybody who's built engines race engines is that knows what i'm talking about with indexing spark plugs and that's having the uh having the electrode the side electrode point a certain way or positioned a certain way in the bore and they have what's called indexing washers and you would you would mark the spark plug and you say okay i want it to face and there's two different schools of thought with this just like with electronics left hand roll and right hand roll some people want was some believe that the spark and i guess it's application specific that's an engineer's cover your cy cover you know what your patootie all right because oh it's application specific but uh the thing is that there's one theory is to have the spark plug the open part of the of the uh, the gap where you gap between the side electrode and the, and the center electrode to face the intake valve some people say it should face the exhaust valve and you say why should it face the exhaust valve what's well, the hottest part of the combustion chamber so whatever but so that's indexing the spark plugs and race guys race engine builders for years have done that and also what would happen is that you may have to index the spark plug when you're building a race engine 
and I'm going to say, or I'm going to say a drag, but that does any type of race engine that has a, a high lift cam and has a lot of compression ratio because the spark plug to piston clearance may not be that good or that great, I should say, not good. And uh, you may have to position the electrode a certain way so that it doesn't, the piston, when it comes up, it doesn't smash it. So in that particular instance, you are indexing the spark plug so it doesn't collide with the piston the piston collide with that because the spark plug isn't moving god willing right but in other engines you're doing that to get the best combustion event and the most power and and that you that was a that was something as far as power was concerned and efficiency excuse me fuel economy uh, that was very common years ago not from the factory <clears throat> excuse me but anybody was building a performance race engine and then as the combustion chambers got more efficient which we're going to discuss in a minute which basically comes into charge motion internal and external charge motion when i say efficient that's really what it boils down to higher levels of charge motion then it really became moot for you to i mean it wasn't quantifiable in most instances for you to uh index the spark plugs but interestingly enough i saw a little seminar from ngk spark plugs the other day and there are some engines right from the factory uh that are that require an indexed spark plug and uh i don't know why they're requiring it uh, but ngk offers indexed spark plugs now it's not for everything they said i think there was some mercedes uh nissan infinity the same thing it may have been something else there was a third brand none of them were domestics uh some ski do snowmobiles maybe some motorcycles require an index spark plug and what ngk has is they sell an index spark plug so can you go buy an index spark plug from them for a small block ford i would no. and i confirm this because the video i saw the little tutorial i saw about it was very unclear and kind of gave the impression that you could get ng cable make so if i wanted to have an index spark plug for my ford fiesta or my buddy gene worse wants it for his coyote engine mustang that you could go there and you could buy it i would grant it probably pay a much higher price but you could get it all right the thing is that and then i spoke to and it was a it was a pleasant experience because i called ngk's technical line and uh somehow i was able to get through to a advanced level technical line not like oh what do i got my spark plugs for my my uh 84 taurus you know no or 86 taurus there was no taurus is an 84 the thing is that and i happen to get a very good person you know sometimes you're blessed and this the red sea parts and you find the right person and uh, she was very knowledgeable and she said no 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 only we only make an index spark plug factory index spark plug for certain applications that require it oe i said okay that's kind of what i gleaned after i looked at your website and i said to him well the other thing is that i wanted to just confirm i said from my way of thinking but don't please don't don't be afraid to insult you're not going to insult me tell me the truth i said the only way that you can make an index spark plug from the factory is that you have defined how you cut the threads on the spark plug and she says yes that's 100 percent correct 
So anyway, is that the, what happens is that, uh, let me get back on track with this flame speed and with this burn rate. So to try to bring some sense to it is that the burn rate is the composition of the fuel and the flame speed is the design criteria. And as I start to say, the spark plug location. And obviously with those particular engines and some hot, some some ski doos that are, I guess the real high performance ones, some of these Mercedes, some of these Infinities, and uh, and uh, with the uh, uh, Lex, not Lexus, Infinities and Nissan, the same thing, parent company, that they have these factory index spark plugs. So the thing for you to keep in mind is that this is probably coming to the rest of the industry and i'm sure that those spark plugs because they're low production runs there's nothing else different with them other than where they how they're cutting the threads so i mean the material that they're being made out but as far as the indexing is concerned is how they're cutting the threads but to get back to this is that the so if we could induce a lot of a lot of mixture motion could be induced either internal or external mixture motion or a combination of both is that the flame speed which then again is defined as the flames propagation uh, uh, across the bore the combustion wave so what they call is the leading edge flame front all right so the thing is that that could increase if we could increase that speed across the bore and that's usually read in it used to be read in meters per second so uh then what you will do is that you will have an engine <clears throat> that is basically for all intensive purposes has the potential to make more power and the operative word in that sentence is potential <coughs> excuse me i'm just going to uh, kill this mic for a second and cough okay i'm back sorry about that the potential to make more power you would have a reduction in emissions but most importantly you will have a reduction in you will have in the engine's propensity to want to have detonation abnormal combustion is the proper way for me to say it all right and that is that is how they get away with these engines today with such high compression like my fiesta's 11 to 1 compression and run low octane 87 octane fuel all right so that basically is that now so but you have to realize that the burn speed is going to be a dynamic of the fuel composition i keep repeating this because it's easy to get confused with it and it's very easy to be to to with through semantics using the wrong term and i'll explain that in a second so the burn speed is the chemical composition of the fuel so that the rate it's going to burn so now we have let's put together and see what happens is that we have the we have a burn speed that is inherently designed or <clears throat> a <clears throat> excuse me a byproduct of the chemical composition all right so and then we have this this these design criteria for the flame speed so actually what happens inside an engine is that it's a comp it is a it is a a uh the i don't know what the compilation i don't know if i want to use that word all right it's the end result is how quick the fuel itself will burn along with how quickly 
the flame will propagate due to the design criteria of the engine. Now, the good thing basically is that most fuels that you're buying pump gas. All right, same thing happens with diesel, but it's not defined as much because it's it's not created by arc. If a spark plug's created by heat, but the same dynamics happen. And if you were to look at a modern diesel cylinder head, they pay a lot of attention, just like they do on gasoline, to internal charge motion and and and, and external charge motion with the port designs. That's why, like a lot of guys will take these cylinder heads for a duramax or a power stroke for a cummins and they'll hog them out and they'll say look at me look how good i am like you know i got it to flow whatever 50 more cfm than 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 ford did or gm did i'm better ha 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 and sadly what has happened is that for good for a uh for most of the time they killed the mixture motion because they made it, they the way they 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 ported the head and they modified the port, they killed the mixture motion, and that's why, if you really want to do cylinder head development work and cylinder head flow work, is that on a modern cylinder head you need to have a flow, you need to have a swirl meter or a tumble meter as some way to quantify what is what you're doing to that cylinder head and where your baseline is just like a check right you have a you have a grower's plot a plot of corn you have a check so you that, that there's no there's no foliar feeding here this has got foliar feeding a b c and d so you could go af, go and compare it against your your what they call an agriculture check all right and when an engineer would call it a baseline or something like that but the fact is that uh most times if you're just chasing airflow without mixture motion, you'll get a lot of airflow on the flow bench and you will make less power, right? So it's a, so airflow is important, all right? Airflow is important. But the thing is that, so what's going to happen is that on a, on a, on a road engine, on an engine, a road engine, a farm engine, so you're buying, you're buying uh, pump, ga- pump fuel, pump diesel, pump gasoline right and what we mean by in the industry when we say pump right they say well it all comes out of a pump right well meaning that it's it's legal street legal road legal farm legal fuel it's not a a race fuel some sort of exotic blend so it's it's a legal fuel and within the legal fuel category so like i said we'll talk about gasoline because that has the most variability in it diesel fuel has some but it's not openly discussed like gasoline the thing is that so there is even though there'll be variability within the fuel you buy from this tank load to that tank load to the next tank load even if you buy it in the same in the gas station is same gas station <clears throat> there is a tighter window that they're supposed to not be able to to uh go out of so it's a range so that they say so the, the federal government the epa the federal government says oh gasoline has to have this much btu this much this this much that and what have you and just like you going through the field with a combine is that every ear of corn is not going to look 100 percent the same but they're going to look very close right so you can so you want basically as a high yield farmer you want every ear of corn to look the same and to have the most potential to, to, to extract the most potential but the fact of the matter is is that there's going to be some level of variability and the whole idea is you want to minimize that level of variability or what we would call in in, in engineering deviation 
all right so when you're buying a pump fuel is that the level of deviation in theory is supposed to be within a confined range and then so what happens is that now the only thing that can improve that flame speed is the design of the cylinder head combustion chamber internal external charge motion charge acceleration all right so that's charge motion all right so that's the only thing that's going to be because we have as a standard as a fixed fixed is the chemical composition of the fuel all right so that is that so now what happens is that to back up a little bit you have to recognize that the chemical composition of fuel over the years has changed so if you have a a, a 69 roadrunner sitting in your garage the chemical composition of the fuel changed 2023 versus what was made in 69 so now remember the chemical composition is going to impact what the burn speed the rate that that fuel is consumed and and release and releases its heat its caloric energy right so that is going to change all right the cylinder head didn't change as, <clears throat> as it was sitting in your garage or or a 1952 john deere tractor or ford or ford 9n or whatever the thing that didn't change but the burn speed of the fuel changed and so now excuse me i'm just gonna uh kill this again i'm sorry clear my throat and get some water here Uh, okay i'm back and uh so that is going to change so what is going to happen for you to get that engine to run properly is that the the spark advance which is the base timing and the rate of advance i don't care whether it's a farm tractor or a gto pontiac all right the rate of advance and on a road vehicle it's usually going to have a vacuum advance and centrifugal advance on a farm tractor industrial engine is going to have a centrifugal advance no vacuum advance and the position of distributor the standard specifications that you have that are all wrong because the specifications have to are based upon the burn speed of the fuel that that when that engine was made so that is so why so that's why you have to play with both the the base timing which is the position of the distributor and the rate of advance for the fuel that you are going to use and i'm not saying well you're going to to raise gas station next time you're going to judge no i'm saying for modern fuel and that's and, and so what people basically say is the fuel is junk the fuel is not junk the fuel the modern fuel is not junk it has a whole different burn speed than the fuel was when that when that whatever was made and even something 20 years ago the burn speed of the fuel was different all right so that basically is 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 one element of it the other element of it is that the older engines and i'll i'll probably say from older is not as old as you think from older older style engines and and i older designed engines so if you look at let's say a 350 chevy engine or a 302 ford engine in a an uh 89 crown victoria all right versus a uh 65 ltd right 
well, 65 and a half or 39, but whatever. The thing is that, yes, there was evolutionary changes in the cylinder head. There was evolutionary changes in the ports. But prior to the emission standards and the fuel economies, and that holds true for diesel also on the farm, is that, you know, this tier four emissions, even though it's got a lot of garbage that attached to it, is that it basically was, it, it caused them to make the engines more efficient. So the thing is that, back years ago that really wasn't recognized i mean it was recognized but they did nothing about it or very minimal about it all right and it was easy it was it was easier and cheaper to throw octane at gasoline they didn't have a high they didn't have really looking at emissions and throw octane at a gasoline instead of read so this is a premium octane fuel engine and that oil companies were more than happy to create high octane fuels and charge more for them so that really wasn't it wasn't the case and then as time went on there were evolutionary changes within the engine family all right so you take a the last iteration of a 302 ford or a 351 ford had a better as far as its efficiency was concerned mixture motion was concerned cylinder head than a 1968 version all right but so this so What's going to happen is that if you have an older style, older designed engine, it's going to be much more sensitive to the change in burn rate of the fuel that you are supplying it than uh, than a more modern engine because what is happening, as we said, it's a combination of the burn speed and the flame speed. It's going to determine how quickly it gets a that that flame gets across the board but more importantly all right so even though that the the design of the engine could kind of help the flames the burn speed along but it can't drastically change it just like if you have a high yield farmer he's he's extracting the potential in yield that that seed has he's not there in his shop putting some other potential in the seed the potential is what is in that seed that's it's created by god he's extracting it all right so the thing is that so that that comes into play so you could you could alter that a little bit but what you're going to find is that an older engine and what you when i talk about spark advance spark advance basically has the whole the whole purpose of of ignition timing whether it's a a, a timing whether it's on a diesel engine which would be injector timing or a gasoline engine that's when the spark plug is based upon cylinder pressure being created in the bore in relationship to the crankshaft angle that's what it's all about there's nothing more complicated than that we talk about spark advance but the end result and that is why with an older engine that was designed for older fuel is that the spark advance curve needs to be altered and just like a cat will purr when it's happy or a dog will wag its tail or if a crop has proper nutrients all right it's going to it's going to yield more of the going back to the original story in this podcast is that if the dairy cow can properly process the nutrients given to her then she's going to make more milk and she's going to make more milk with a higher level of butter fat which is all what you want so yes we're modifying the spark advance curve but we're really tweaking the cylinder pressure rise versus the crankshaft angle that's where the rubber meets the road all right so we're tuning the distributor but the cylinder pressure rise 
over the, uh, in relationship to the crankshaft angle so that's what so the older engines are going to be very very sensitive to that as far as because the gasoline changed so much since then just like you could have somebody that says oh i'm gonna go out on a boat and i'm gonna uh, wear a hat and i'm gonna wear a long sleeve shirt because i have fair skin and i'm gonna burn in five minutes and my wife could bake lay out in the sun for for all day long and just keep getting a darker tan right so that is the difference now what's go- what what else i wanted to discuss here <clears throat> is that the composition of the fuel all right and and you know with street gas like i said it's in such a tight range that that there's going to be variability just like there's variability across your field but it's not going to be as variable as when you're comparing two different soil types all right because unless your field has two different soil types but now if we get into race gasoline all right there's now all bets are off because now the race gasoline does not have to meet the federal emission standards for reed vapor pressure for all of this for, for 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 stoichiometric rating and what have you so for example is that there's a fuel by vp that i love it's probably 40 dollars a gallon now it's called q16 and it's a very oxygenated fuel you say oh it's a race gas oxygenated fuel <clears throat> well the thing basically is is that it's an oxygenated fuel and and we think of <clears throat> on our level buying pump gas that oxygenated fuel stinks oh, we don't want that we don't want no oxygenated there right <clears throat> but you have to realize it's the other elements of the fuel that that is oxygenated it's not just it's not just the oxygen it's meeting all of these emission standards as far as vapor pressure is concerned evaporative emissions what have you we'll do 10 shows on that but anyway but a fuel like vp q16 with a high level of oxygenated and not pumping near a guy with a hand pump pumping oxygen and doing it chemically is almost like putting nitrous oxide in the engine but but mix having it in a fuel all right so when you have a, a fuel that is overly oxygenated like vpq16 it makes much more power than than uh, uh let's say so it so q16 is is an over oxygenated 116 octane fuel all right so 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 that's what those 16 stands for they drop off the one now using vp there's other brands as cam 2 there's sunoco there's rocket brand fuel all right but i'm using this as a as, a, as a, an example is that so vp has a regular and they call it c16 right which is 116 octane but it's not overly oxygenated you take c16 and q16 put them both in an engine and if you tune them properly because you need to tune for air fuel ratio for stoichiometry and you need to tune you need to tune for the specific gravity of fuel the weight and its burn speed because we get back to that cylinder pressure rise all right the, the q16 will make more power i mean it'll make five percent to eight percent and if you maybe even ten percent if if your tune was way off all right uh i've told a lot of people about q16 my friend bobby ida with his salt flats truck um he calls it the frightening twin turbo uh ford motor in it it's got a 4.6 now 
they made like 40 more horsepower when you're making 1500 horsepower 1600 horsepower i think it's probably making 18 at the flywheel and you find 40 or 50 horsepower that's a lot right all right by pouring something in the tank and tweaking the tune a little bit so the thing is that but you have to realize is that when you look at a race gasoline that and i always believed that the q and q16 stood for quick burn because a pump gas engine the 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 chemical composition of the gasoline is that around 3500 4000 rpm that's as fast as the gas can burn so you could you could say hey hot rod you're full of it because i could bring my motor up to 6000 7000 yes you can but it's using much more fuel to get that to you don't recognize that but the chemical to mechanical energy conversion rate is dropping down because the flame is that the fuel cannot burn fast enough now you could have a good cylinder head on it it has a lot of charge motion come on baby come on let's burn let's burn let's burn and the flame speed can be the, the the flame speed could could be uh pretty good because they're using all of these design characteristics to aid it but the fuel cannot burn fast enough so you need to overfuel it i will leave it at that there's a lot of dynamics that are going that are that are happening there so to make sense of this right is that to make some practical application of it for you to understand is that the burn speed of a fuel is it's release of of energy our chemical heat energy we'll say caloric energy whereas the flame speed is the rate that the that the leading edge flame as it's expanding across the board propagating explain the wave across the board the right is the flame speed is the expansion of it how quick so think of so think of like a train leaving a station right so the train is starting to leave a station so that is so it's going in it's it's, it's going down the railroad track to the to the track it hasn't touched it that's the flame they call it the flame front so the edge the fun just like you're seeing birds flying flying uh up in this in in the sky right and they have their v-shaped right so the the first bird is leading the flock all right so the thing is that the edge of the flame how far how fast it's traveling across the bore and the thing is that you have to recognize that it is the this, this so it's a combination of the chemical release of the fuel and the mechanical the physical aspects that are trying to push it push it along it's really not pushing it it's allowing it it's allowing it to travel faster is what is going to make the engine run and it is the chemical composition of the fuel modern fuel is completely different than than fuel years ago so if you have an older style engine all right it's going to you're going to have to alter both the the timing i should say that both the timing all right to create and you're really creating the cylinder pressure rise because you there's no way you don't know what the burn rate is you don't know what the flame propagation is in meters per second no there's no book it's not like a chilton's man you look oh, oh uh, the 72 john deere gas engine this is what the flames it doesn't tell you that all right there's no way for you knowing but it's going to tell you by the by the way it runs all right so now what is confusing as they get ready to close is that the nomenclature that we've used in the industry all right we've used both flame speed and burn speed uh, interchangeably which they are not and then even the 
the car companies have done that for like chevrolet using picking on them they came out with uh devor texona and they say it's a quick burn head well i get it's really not a quick burn head it's a quick flame speed head so if you look at a modern song that a ford coyote motor the ford uh the new one what they call the godzilla all right the ls engines in the chevys the new lt ones a whole multitude uh, of engines right they're not actually quick burn so they're they're quick flame and if you look back years ago right years ago the old chevy the six zone that was in the first corvette they called it a blue flame six that was probably more accurate all right then uh then the new stuff though like when back in the 90s when gm came out with the quick burn so even if you look in the gm performance part catalog all right you'll say uh your quick burn 383 a quick burn 350 engine and the things that's really not the quick burn it's the quick flame speed but marketing wise quick flame speed doesn't sound as catchy or roll off your tongue i got the quick burn head so the quick burn so lots of times in life all right we will go and we will change the name of something because it sounds better or rolls off your tongue and that's where a marketing guy comes over i says, oh i want a, a quick flame speed small i got a quick flame flame speed small block chevy in my street rod i got the quick burn engine on it. Oh, oh quick burn so people take that and they hear quick and they think it's that the engine is going to excel i mean that the car is going to accelerate quickly but it's really not so you know just like making full bringing this full circle as they get ready to close and hopefully it didn't drive you nuts on this is that that this is the scientific reason this is the engineering reason this is the chemistry reason right for why you as a as a as a owner of older equipment older cars older what have you for you to get the most i'm not saying the engine's not going to run for you to get the most efficiency out of it for you to get the most power out of it the most everything on modern gasoline you need to change the change the spark advance curve and but the gasoline for the past 40 years fifth well by fifth well since 75 all right is based upon a 14.7 to 1 air fuel ratio which is stoichiometric now keep in mind the leaner the air fuel ratio the slower the flame burns and if you realize what i said a few minutes back is that the 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 burn speed of most street gas is is maxed out at about 3500 rpm and i said you have to run the engine richer and you're running the engine richer because the leaner the engine is the thing is that you are going to have the fuel and air molecules are going to be further apart even though they're homogenized inside the bore they're further apart and it's going to slow down the flame speed so the burn speed i should say not the flame i'm using the wrong term myself and the thing is that so a richer mixture will burn quicker than a leaner mixture but every fuel has a stoichiometric rating where is that you have the greatest chemical release and that's the that that is determined in a laboratory pump gasoline is 14.67 to one all right but you start to look do yourself a favor go if you don't believe me go to any go on the internet and go to well say vp 
All right. You go to Cam too. You go to Rocket Brand Fuel. There's a couple other brand race fuels, and they will give you the stoichiometric value for every fuel that they have. And it's not 14.67 to one. It may be 13.8 to one. It may be 14.1. It may be 13.2 to one. And you are going to to tune your engine, your race engine, to achieve that stoichiometric value, and that is going to be based upon the the uh, oxygenative it's like q16 right and it's going to be based upon the burn speed because they can't control the flame speed because that's design of the engine the burn speed and the specific gravity of the fuel is going to impact how the fuel system delivers it so it's this whole you know homogenized thing and people think that 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 gasoline is just about octane and even on the street gas, is that historically, historically, a rule of thumb, which is not 100%, is that a higher octane fuel will burn slower, burn, not flame speed, burn slower. But when I went up to the Texaco Research Lab, had a wonderful, I told you a story many times, wonderful education with the PhDs there. And they were good PhDs. They raced and they built engines and what have you. They were, as I said in the beginning, not, a, not an academia PhD that made their whole life in a career in a college. The thing basically is they made it very clear. It's what are the, his, I remember his words, uh, uh, what are the components in the fuel, the components that are used to raise the octane? So if you use a certain chemical, let's say like iso-octane to raise the octane, or you use ethanol to raise the octane, it is going to impact the burn speed, the rate that the fuel is burned, or burned because it's a, I'm repeating one last time before we close, so it's a combination of the burn speed, just like you plant a crop, right? You got to have soil to plant the crop, and then you need to have nutrients to plant the crop, I mean to grow the crop, and you need to have all those other elements. You need to have water to plant for a crop to grow, not plant. So the thing is that, so the burn speed of the fuel, but on a street car, a street pump gas is within a small range, and that is why when a manufacturer does on-road calibrations they buy fuel in the three to five thousand gallon bulk range they test the fuel they know the specific gravity they know the octane of that fuel they send it to a lab they know the burn speed of that fuel and what they'll basically do is that they'll still calibrate the engine based upon that and then inside the ecu they have tables that are correction tables trim tables because they're not gonna the when that when that that engine, whether it's in a pickup truck, whether it's a car, whether it's in a lawnmower, what have you, is not going to be have the same fuel that they calibrated with, but they needed a control. And then they put trim tables in, and then the last part of a calibration is they drive the car cross country, they drive the pickup truck cross country, and they buy fuel just like you do. They don't have this beautiful beautiful okay we got this fuel we know exactly where it is. they go to they go to the gas station and they fill it up right <laughs> so and that's when the trim tables come in and a lot of people who are pushing ethanol and i'm not against ethanol i'm for ethanol but you know they're missing a good part of the story and they just talk about octane they talk about and and what they talk about with octane being real that's valid all right uh to a certain extent they they, the fuel have have, but they don't i'm not expecting some woman is going to be worried about burn speed and what have you but 
you know, there's a lot of dynamics with ethanol-based fuels that an E10 usually is moot, maybe even 15, but you start to get up to E30, E40, E50, E85, and that the car companies have a, all of these trim tables that they need to trim everything. And once you trim, trim means to adjust or change, not trimming with scissors. Once you trim everything, then you're negating the 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 energy loss that ethanol has versus gasoline pure gasoline e0 right because now you're bringing that tune up in all right and they send the on the ethanol and says oh no it takes a hundred dollars to make a a flex fuel vehicle yeah it takes a hundred dollars to make a flex fuel vehicle maybe as far as the sensor is concerned but what they're forgetting is about is that all of the calibration work that goes inside the ecu for it to for it to basically be able to perform beautifully and optimally with that fuel in, which is going to have enough different burn speed, a different chemical heat release, all right? The mechanical aspect of the engine hasn't changed as far as the in-cylinder mixture motion and external mixture motion, but the burn speed is going to change. So it's not that simple. It's not that simple. I'm not saying I'm against it, but it's not that simple. And we oversimplify something in life. And just like it's important for the dairy cow to be able to process the nutrients that she has and to have a balance of these nutrients in, in her rumen and then in her gut, all right, for it to process this and make butter fat, make milk, and what have you, all right, for, to make her efficient and to make her healthy. And, you know, and as I close, I wish they did as much research on a few on a person's diet that they do on a dairy cow. And, you know, I love animals and I think it's fantastic. But the impetus for them to make that is to make more, to make milk, which I have no issue with whatsoever. They got to make a living. They got to do that or nothing. There's zero, zero issue with that whatsoever. But they look at stool samples on cows. Uh, they, 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 they put together, imagine if you went and you had, and they did that with a person, but, but, but also on the other side is that just like the engineer doing a calibration on an engine has 5,000 gallons of the fuel that they know that on a dairy cow, they're, they're feeding her a ration that they know nutrient wise. And I'll say composition wise, what they're feeding her. Whereas a person, you can't do that because today I'm eating McDonald's, tomorrow I'm eating steak, today I'm eating oatmeal, all right? And our, our, our diet is all over the place. But if you could take that same thing and take a person and, and study or analyze uh, the way their body is processing fuel, like I have celiac disease, so I can't process wheat properly. It causes a whole bunch of problems, all right? So the thing basically is is that but I have celiacs to a lower level. Thank God so I could cheat a little bit. But if you have celiac disease, that's really what it is. So it's like looking at the dairy cow and say, what can she process? How can she process it? And that is what's happening inside the engine. So as we get ready to close, I hope I didn't bore you. I hope I didn't confuse you. If I did, I apologize. That was not my intent. If you have any questions on this, please reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com and we could open up a dialogue. And remember, according to these people, though the, uh, I don't know what they'd even want to call them, they don't call them flat earthers or whatever, is that remember that the dairy cow all right, when she belches and she passes wind, is ruining, ruining the environment for everybody. But 
we could we could have uh, so we could have a gmo cow but we can't have gmo corn have a blessed day